Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning session of Sunday the 27th of September 2009, entitled Remember to Say Thanks, and the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 17 verses 11 to 19. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Luke chapter 17, we'll begin reading in verse 11 and read down through verse 19. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's holy word, beginning in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show thyselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Father, we thank you so much, Lord. Lord, just for the privilege of being able to be gathered together here with our brothers and sisters in Christ on this the Lord's day. Lord, that we can focus our hearts and minds and attentions and Lord, upon him, and that we might give you glory and praise in everything that takes place here. And Father, we realize so very much, Lord, at this important junction of this service, when we look into your word, that, Father, we stand helpless without you. We need thy touch. We need thy power. We need the anointing of thy spirit, Lord, that you might take and, Lord, bring forth the words that are needed to be said here this morning that they come under the power of thy spirit for your glory and your honor alone. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. You know, it's interesting in a discussion that I've had with some of you in the past, it's amazing how we as Christians, of course, today as we celebrate Harvest Thanksgiving, we find that it's not a national holiday in this country. It is a holiday that is celebrated only in churches and schools, and not all of them. Of course, it's interesting nonetheless that as we look at many of the holidays that we celebrate, how that if we look far enough, we can go back into the past and we can find where that uh, there were some people that uh, weren't Christians, uh, many times that uh, uh, were heretics and many times that were just downright devils themselves, that uh, we're using these same times of the year for celebrating things of their own, and we've kind of stolen those times from them. And I ask ourselves, is that always right, and is, or is it wrong? And, and, of course, I guess you know that some of that you'll have to answer for yourself. You know what I find interesting as we look at the idea of harvest festivals is that I was amazed as I looked on the Internet, as you can do these days, and find just how many countries around the world have some kind of harvest celebrations. 
And of course, there are many of those nations, particularly in Europe and North America and whatnot, where that these holidays are something that is honored mostly by people giving thanks to God for His bounty. But I found some very unusual names on there too. And I found some that I wouldn't even begin to try to pronounce. But one thing that I did see real quick is that even a lot of these countries, it's the pagans that are having harvest thanksgiving, that are thanking somebody for the harvest. We find that even in devil worship and Wicca and witchcraft and things like this, that in some of these countries they have time set aside for giving thanks. And I thought to myself, I said, well, you know, the thing is our roots go back a lot farther than even they do. The truth is that if those infidels, those pagans, if they've got enough common sense to know that they ought to be giving thanks to somebody for meeting their needs, then how much more we as Christians ought to be giving thanks to God. And yet sometimes they are much more enthralled in their giving of thanks than we are because many times with us it's just another passing day and we give it very little thought. And yet every day ought to be thanksgiving with a child of God. We can also look back into the history of, of course, the United Kingdom itself. We can find lots of things, and I've gone into some detail there before, and I will not again this morning. But we find that even prior to the churches, there were celebrations at the time of harvest that were giving thanks for the harvest that had, had come in. And, of course, it was actually some years later that we find that it started down in Cornwall, that it was taken into a church, and it kind of began to spread from there within the churches and the schools and the things like that. It was also that same background of the Harvest Home and the Harvest Thanksgiving uh, services here that those original pilgrims carried across the Atlantic and that now that the North Americans have their Thanksgiving Day, it was something that they were accustomed already to doing of giving God thanks for the harvest of crops when it came in. And of course, many of us today, matter of fact, I dare say none of us here this morning have had to depend upon literally going out and working the fields and bringing in the harvest with our own hands, having to go out and literally find the food that we were going to get through the winter with as we approach that time. And yet that is precisely what they were doing. They were having a celebration to give thanks to God because they realized that it was only because of Him and His goodness that any of us have any of the bounty that we have today. You see, as we look back, though, for God's people, do you realize that most of the feast that Israel, and boy, you think that we like to fellowship around here. Just read the Old Testament sometime. Boy, they didn't hardly get out of one feast till they were preparing to go into another's. And a lot of theirs wasn't just around a couple hours around a, uh, a table in the fellowship hall. It was usually for like a week long at least. <laughs> they enjoyed having fellowship and they enjoyed these feasts. And most of their feasts, and it was God himself, by the way, that gave them to them to celebrate, not that they made up themselves. And that's why that they were even called the Feast of the Lord. Well, the nation of Israel were given some that were specifically tied 
to Thanksgiving and that dealt specifically with the harvest in some way or another. You find that in Leviticus chapter 23, I'm not going to read the verses, but in verses 9 through 14 there, you find the directions given to them for the feast of first fruits. Now, this was a feast of Thanksgiving that took place in the springtime and coincided with the first fruits of the barley harvest that came in. You find as you look at the next verses in verses 15 to 22 that you have the feast of Pentecost that came 50 days after the feast of first fruits, and it was the beginning or the first fruits of wheat harvest that it took place. But then you have one that I'd like to direct your attention to for just a simple thought this morning. In Leviticus chapter 23, some of you will certainly remember this because it's been some time back, probably a few years back since we preached on the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, which was easy for us to remember because of our church family with, uh, with that surname. But that's what this one, this one is called, the Feast of Tabernacle, the Feast of Booths, or literally the Hebrews call it Sukkot. And if you look there in, in verse 33, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. On the first day shall be an holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. Seven days ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. On the eighth day shall be an holy convocation unto you, and ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and ye shall do no servile work therein. These are the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, a burnt offering and a meat offering, a sacrifice and drink offerings, everything upon his day. Beside the Sabbaths of the Lord and beside your gifts and beside all your ways and beside all your freewill offerings which ye give unto the Lord, also in the fifteenth day of the seventh month when ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And ye shall take you on the first day of the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook, and ye shall receive before the Lord your God seven days. And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Ye shall dwell in booths seven days." All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And Moses declared unto the children of Israel the feast of the Lord. So we find that this feast of tabernacles, feast of booths was celebrated in the autumn of the year. Matter of fact, it was celebrated in late summer to late October. And of course, the month, the calendars were slightly different then. But in what we would call this coming into the, the autumn of the year, 
and it coincided with the harvest of the fruits. Now, we find that as God has given these feasts to his people, these times to set aside to, yes, and, and it was interesting that it was usually a combination of a time of joy in celebrating and feasting together from those, but of course, giving to God of the first fruits of all that they had. Now, I want to just think for a few moments on this simple thought this morning. Remember to say thanks. How many times do we say that little statement to our children many times when they're younger? Remember to say thanks. Remember to say thanks. And of course, sometimes it's easy to say thanks when we get all excited about something and it, you know, we, we really are so grateful. But what I want to remind us this morning is to remember to say thanks always. Sometimes when it's hard to find something to say thanks about. Now, this is not a true story, and it was told by a rabbi. I guess it's sort of a Jewish fable, if you would, that relates back to verse 40 here that we see. Now, here in this verse, it tells us that they were supposed to take the fruit of goodly trees to use on this holiday of Sukkot, as they called it. He says, but which tree is the goodly one? Tradition says that it is a citrus tree. Indeed, the English name for etrog is citron. And you can see how the name citron is related to citrus. But that still doesn't tell us why the etrog was the type of citrus fruit that was considered good. It all goes back a long time ago to a king. This king, unlike most kings, was poor. He was fat. His life was completely tasteless, and he was completely unhappy. One day he prayed to God to find the answers to all of his problems. That night he had a dream. In the dream, he was told that he would find the answer to his problems in a citrus fruit. The next morning, he sent for the wise men. Since there was no citrus fruits growing at that time in the Middle East, he sent them out to bring back the right fruit. After a few weeks, one of the wise men returned with an orange. This fruit is very good, the wise men said. It is sweet, and if you squeeze it, its juice makes a wonderful drink. If we plant these trees and grow the fruit, we'll be able to squeeze the oranges and put the juice in cans and export it to all of our neighbors. We'll become rich. The king did as the wise man suggested. Within a few years, his country was, was rich and prosperous. But the king was still not happy because though he was no longer poor, he was still fat, and his life was still completely tasteless. So he called his wise men together, and he told them that the citrus fruit could not be the one in his dream. He sent them forth to find another citrus. After a couple of months, one of them returned with a grapefruit. The wise man explained that the grapefruit was low in calories like the orange. It could be squeezed and sold in cans. It also could be sold in sections and for salads, and people on diets would love it. The king had grapefruit trees planted, and he ate the grapefruits regularly. The diet was successful, and he was no longer fat. So now he was rich, and he was no longer fat, but he still wasn't happy, and his life was still tasteless. The king called his wise men together and sent them out once again to find a citrus which contained the answer to his unhappiness. 
After six months, one of the wise men returned with a lemon. He told the king that the lemon could be used in salads and tea, on fish and chicken, and it would just give all these foods an extra zing and a special taste. The king used the lemon, and his food was tasty. So now he was rich, and he was a slender king, and he had tasty food, but he still wasn't happy. To make it worse, he didn't know why he wasn't happy. So he called all the wise men together, but none of them could figure it out either. One of them suggested, though, that there was a Jewish sage which was traveling through the country at the time, and when the sage was told of the king's problem, he produced an etrog. What will it do for me? The king asked. Nothing, the Jewish sage said. But God has made everything for a purpose, so it's up to you to figure out what the purpose is of an etrog. It doesn't taste good. It won't make you thin or rich. It's actually for a person that already has everything. The king began to think about the etrog. It's true, he said, I, I do have everything I need. I have my family, my work, my home, my friends. I really don't need any more things. He began to feel happy. He prayed to God, and instead of asking for something, as he had always done in the past, he actually began to thank God for all that he already had. Rabbi goes on to say that's why the Bible tells us to use an etrog for a sukkah. The etrog doesn't do anything for us. It just reminds us to be thankful for all that we have. It's the perfect gift for the person who has everything because by understanding and appreciating what we have, we realize that we really have all that we need to make us happy. The etrog is the only fruit that doesn't rot. You can keep it for months or even years. In the same way, the person who is satisfied with what he has will never be unhappy when he loses something. His happiness comes from within. The etrog is indeed a goodly fruit because it teaches us what is really good for us. Now, the editor puts a note. He says, the etrog is a member of the citron family. It is a fruit used only for ceremonial purposes in religious rites of the Hebrew people. Sukkot is essentially a festival of thanksgiving, marking the ingathering of all the grains and fruits at the end of the year, as well as a remembrance of the dwelling in huts of the Jews during their march through the desert in Exodus during the 40 years of wandering. Now, that's just a made-up story. But the point is that it has a very pointed tale. Now, in verse 40 of Leviticus chapter 23 there, you had this verse, and ye shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook. Ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. Now that's actually a picture of the four things that are mentioned there. This is what the Jews use in their ceremony of giving thanks during the Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of Booze. And that little thing that you see on the left-hand side there is what an etrog looks like. That for most practical purposes, they say it's even more sour than a lemon. And so for most practical purposes, it really is used for very little of anything anywhere except in this ceremony to remind people of the Lord and His goodness. Now, I find that that's very interesting for you and I today, because maybe we need some etrogs in our lives. 
remind us that we have everything when we have the Lord Jesus Christ that we need to be happy already. And we find that, again, um, perhaps it was uh, um, the story that I shared with you some time back. i got so many pages up here now I'm going to get myself lost. Some of you remember the story that I told you of the sweet old lady that went into the cookie store and bought the bag of three cookies in it. And of course, then she dropped those in her bag and she went out to the coffee shop and she sat there at the coffee shop with her newspaper. She was just going to have a cup of coffee and enjoy her biscuits and read the newspaper. And she sat down. There was a man that sat down from the table across from her. She just kind of nodded and noted he had out his paper. And so as she sat there, she reached out and she took a cookie and she began to eat it. And the man on the other side of the table, he reached out and took a cookie as well and began to eat it. Boy. She's thinking, what in the world? This guy didn't even ask for it. I mean, he just reached out and took it. She's really boiling inside, you know. She's sitting there and she's thinking about all this and all of a sudden he reaches out and he reaches out and he takes another cookie and he breaks it in half because there's just the one left and he lays it back down there, half of it for her, and he begins to eat the other half. Now this time she's really, really fuming the audacity of this guy just to reach out and to take her cookie and to eat it that way. And before she knows it, he's up and he's gone. He goes off and she is just absolutely, she just so much wants to tell him what she really thinks. And she is so upset and she's thinking some horrible thoughts about him. And she just decides, you know, she just, she gets up to leave and she, she throws her paper together. She sticks it in her bag and lo and behold, guess what's in her bag? Her bag of cookies. It wasn't him that was taking her cookies. She was taking his cookies, and she was taking all these horrible things about him. And, of course, aren't you glad that, that sometimes, regardless of our attitudes that seem to not be very appreciative, despite the way that we treat God, he's always, always gracious, and he's always there for us. You see, we need to remember who it is that we're to be thankful for. Look back just a few pages in your Bible to Deuteronomy, or over just a few pages, to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Notice what the Lord says here. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Remember, that was the whole purpose of the huts, the booths in the Feast of Tabernacles was they would remember what the Lord had brought them through before. He says, to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. The raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a, a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. 
Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass when thou hast eaten and art full, when thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built good, goodly houses and dwelt therein, when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thy heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that, hath, that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers as it is this day, and it shall be, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall ye perish, because you would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. Folks, I believe with all my heart that we are blessed to the degree that we are blessed with in this country, in North America, because of our Christian forefathers, because of those that have continued to serve the Lord. But the sad thing is we live in a day when our nations, just like the nation of Israel, look in and say, I've done it with my pans, with my power. It's me that's built all these things. I've worked so hard for it. He said, remember that it's the Lord that gave you the hands in the first place. It's the Lord that gave you the strength to do it. It's the Lord that gave you the mind and the ability to be able to accomplish those things. Remember to give thanks to him. We find that it's so easy for us. Just as with them, when we begin to prosper, when things are looking good, so many times we begin to take the credit ourselves. We begin to think how lucky that we are, how fortunate that we are. We find that Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he says, Be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You know, I can be honest with you. Sometimes when I'm maybe feeling a bit down in the dumps, you ever felt that way? <laughs> when I'm feeling a little bit afflicted, when I'm maybe angry or upset, have you ever been that way about anything? Maybe sometimes when 
just feeling totally, completely ungrateful for the circumstances that I find myself in. Sometimes instead of praising God being the fourth lost in my mind, sometimes more than really wanting to pray with thanksgiving to the Lord. I don't know about you, sometimes I just want to feel sorry for myself for a while. <laughs> just want to wallow in it a little bit. Sometimes you just feel like yelling at somebody. <laughs> sometimes we can be very thoughtless. Do we have the faith that when everything is not the way we want it to be. The times are kind of tough. Do we have the faith to believe that God's still in control? You know, we need to remember who is responsible. Remember who is responsible. When we forget the hard things are only going to get harder when we uh, allow the situation that we're in to swallow us up and many times to swallow the very thoughts of God's power and goodness that we ought to be having, when we begin to think that we've earned and deserved all these things for ourselves, when we begin to forget that God is with us in the midst of the bad things as well as the good, Folks, life can become pretty bleak when we forget. But God wants us to celebrate his love. He wants us to give thanks in everything. And, you know, he doesn't want that because that he's such a greedy God. He doesn't want it because that he needs to feel better about himself. He wants it because he wants to bless you. He wants it because he wants to bless those around you. He wants us to remember, just as he re was reminding the nation of Israel here, he wants us to remember what he has done. Perfect love casteth out fear. He doesn't want us to be afraid when maybe we do have a genuine need. He doesn't want us to grow arrogant and rude because that we've got everything that we need. He wants us to remember to say thanks to him. Our lives will be so much fuller. You know, so many times, look at all the Psalms over and over. It's so good to say thanks to the Lord. We need to remember who's responsible. We find that, I don't know if any of you have Anybody ever read Robinson Crusoe, <laughs> the classic by Daniel Defoe? The first thing that Crusoe did when he found himself on the deserted island was to make out a list, if you remember. And on one side of the list, he wrote down all of his problems. And on the other side of the list, he wrote down all of his blessings. And it went something like this. On one side, he wrote, I don't have any clothes. On the other side, he wrote, but it's warm. I don't really need many. On one side, he wrote, all of my provisions have been lost at sea. And on the other side, he wrote, there's plenty of fresh fruit and water on the island. And on down the list, he goes in this way. You see, he began to discover that for every 
negative aspect about his situation, there was a positive one as well. There was something to be thankful for. It's easy to find ourselves maybe on an island of despair. It's easy sometimes to just sit down and look at all the things, all the problems, all the troubles we've got, but we need to look at all the blessings that we've got. We realize that life does bring some challenges sometimes. There's no doubt about it. We need to remember who is responsible. But we also need to remember how to respond. We need to remember that God is responsible for it all, but we need to remember how to respond, and people respond in different ways. Surely most of you have heard of Rudyard Kipling, all the classic literature that he has written. But it was said one time that Mr. Kipling, uh, that every word that he wrote was worth about uh, $100, 50 pounds. And uh, that, you know, that his words had become that valuable because of the popularity of his literature. A newspaper reporter came to him once and said, Mr. Kipling, I just read that somebody calculated that the money you make from your writing amounts to over $100 a word. Mr. Kipling raised an eyebrow and said, really? I certainly wasn't aware of that. The reporter cynically pulled a $100 bill out of his pocket and gave it to Mr. Kipling and said, here's a $100 bill, Mr. Kipling. Now, give me one of those $100 words. He looked at the $100 bill, folded it up, put it in his pocket and said, thanks. <laughs> thanks. The truth is, is that just that one simple word, thanks, it can be so valuable. It can go so far. We read the story there in Luke chapter 17. And of course, we find there that the Lord blessed him, but only one remember to say thanks. Only one. The Lord said, wasn't there 10 that I blessed? Wasn't there 10 that I touched? Yet only one has remembered to say thanks. Where are the other nine? Even as parents, we teach our kids to say please and thank you. And of course, that's a good thing. The truth is, is that we need to be thankful as well, not only to teach our children. His book, Live Life on Purpose, Greg Anderson shares the story of one man's journey to joy. It's so simple. The man's wife had left him, and he was completely depressed. He'd lost faith in himself, and he'd lost faith in other people. He'd lost his faith in God, and he found no joy worth living for at all. One rainy morning, this man went to a small neighborhood restaurant for breakfast. There were several other people at the diner, but obviously they were as depressed as him. Nobody was speaking to anybody else. Everybody's face was just as miserable as they hunched, and he just hunched over the counter and stirred his coffee. He said in one of the small booths along the window, there was a young mother and a little girl that had just been served their food when the little girl broke the silence with, almost shouting words, Mama, why don't we say our prayers here? The waitress that had just served their breakfast turned around and said, Sure, honey, we pray here. 
will you say the prayer for us? And she turned and looked at the rest of the people in the restaurant, and one by one they began to bow their heads. The little girl then bowed her head, folded her hands, and said the simple words, God is great, God is good, and we thank him for our food. Amen. He said, those simple words to that little girl changed the complete atmosphere. People began to speak to one another. The waitress even popped up and said, wow, we should do this every morning. All of a sudden, said the man, our whole frame of mind began to improve by a little girl's example. He said, I began to thank God for all that I did have and stop majoring on the things that I didn't. I had the choice to choose happiness, to choose joy, to choose to be thankful. First Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Ephesians 5.20, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know that it was just the norm, the standard for the early church and of the disciples, the apostles. It was really quite incredible from what we read how that they were so thankful to God and to each other, the incredible results that came from it, the joy that they experienced. And, of course, it was through that that they were able to grow and reach to the very ends of the world. We need to give thanks. Remember to say thanks in all circumstances. Remember to say thanks for everything. Remember to say thanks wherever we are. It's a step beyond just remembering God and thanking God for what we have, but it's going to thank God and obey His commandments and remember to say thanks, and it not only affects us, but it affects all those around us. We find that God was telling the nation of Israel, remember to say thanks, whether things are good or things are bad. You know, it's ourselves that we hurt the most when we begin to forget God and forget His goodness and focus upon our problems. It's also we that hurt the most when we're so blessed and God has blessed us so very much and yet we begin to want to take credit. Well, I've worked so hard and it's paid off. I've done this and I've done that and we forget that without God, none of us would have the health to be here today. None of us would have the strength and, of course, we could begin to make a list this morning. We've got so very much to be thankful for. This harvest Thanksgiving, can I just remind you to remember to say thanks? Remember who is responsible and remember how to respond Father, we thank you today as this is a day, Lord, that we've gathered here for especially to give thanks this day. 
Lord, to remember your bounty. And Lord, you have been so, so wonderful to us. You've blessed us so very, very much. Father, today we have much to be happy about, much to joy about. Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember your goodness, to remember to say thanks. Father, I pray that even here this morning, Lord, as we come to the end of this service and we sing this great old hymn, count your blessings, name them one by one, that you will help us this day, Lord, each one, to leave here with grateful and thankful hearts for all of your goodness to us. Of course, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 